Welcome back to the Dream Hub podcast, the space where dreams unfold and consciousness expands. I'm your host, Melissa Johnson, and today we're diving into the fascinating world of lucid dreaming with this esteemed guest, Jamie Bassner Churches. With a degree in psychology and counseling and a seasoned lucid dream coach, Jamie brings a wealth of knowledge about the transformative power of dreams. I met him through social media when I put a call out for any other dream teachers in Australia, and we're now working together in the retreat space, and we're really looking forward to bringing you something epic this year. Join us as we clarify the nature of lucid dreaming, explore its endless possibilities, and understand how it can profoundly impact our waking life. Thanks for coming, Jamie. So excited to be here. Awesome. So to kick things off, just could you explain to the listeners in your words exactly like what lucid dreaming is? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a it's a great question to start with because uh, there is a really simple definition that might sometimes get missed or a tad confused. And I think the simplest way to put it is that lucid dreaming is the ability to know that you're dreaming while you're in a dream. So you're looking around, you're in you know whatever environment, say you're in your room right now, 90% of the time, if you exit a dream, you only realize in retrospect, oh, that was a dream. Like no matter how bizarre the themes are or the, the reoccurrences, whatever it might be. So it's, it's knowing in that moment, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm in a dream. Uh, and uh, then doing what you wish from there. Sometimes people get it mixed up with, they'll say like an often res- a common response they get is, oh yeah, like I lose a dream quite often. And then I'm like, oh awesome, what does that look like for you? And they might say, yeah, I just have like control in my dreams or, you know, I go up and talk to that dream character um, and it seems that they have a little bit more control and and decisive like willpower within the dream, but they may actually not be aware that they were dreaming or lucid. So people often say, oh yeah, it's when you can control the dream. That's kind of a symptom of lucid dreaming, but it's not a clear indicator or measure that you are actually lucid because you can you know have more control or ask some questions or even like gamers if they people people that gamed a lot when they were young they seem to have a bit more control over the dream than usual but they may not be lucid which is that critical awareness of wow I'm actually in a dream right now and when that happens and you have that surreal kind of awareness you'll just know like yeah I was lucid last night does that make sense the difference yeah. between like like uh having a bit more control which you've all experienced in a dream and actually knowing that you're dreaming is there's a difference that there. is such a good point and you know what i think in all the episodes that i've done on this podcast i don't think anyone's actually explained that before mm-hmm. and yeah i really love that because i know what you mean where you might think that you were lucid because you were like oh this was happening in the dream and i didn't like it so i went and changed it yeah. but really in the dream at the time that that's happening you didn't have any awareness over the the decision you kind of just automatically went and changed it which isn't yep. actually awareness <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah it's interesting because awareness it is a spectrum right you know you yeah. definitely have people that like might not like the dream theme or there's some level of awareness that's coming through and they they decide to change it it's but, but they're not fully aware that they're lucid yeah there is, there is a spectrum to lucidity as well which i can cover if you like yeah well i think that yeah. that that thing that people are doing when they're just like having control over the dream but not being aware that they're having control over the dream at the time can be like an autopilot thing that they just automatically do when some emotion is shown in the dream and it might be oh I just automatically run from my problems 
So they turned around and ran away thinking that they were becoming lucid when really yeah. you're not. That's just like an automatic response. response. Yeah. yeah, 100%. And it's just kind of a similar similar cognitive crossover to being almost in like a daydreaming state in the, in the waking you know reality we make certain reactions or responses that uh, are just streaming from our normal conscious way of thinking and being and that can obviously permeate the dream space as well um, with a spectrum of like critical thinking too mm. um, but yeah some people also have probably experienced a semi-lucid state in which like part of you know they might just question like could I be dreaming right now? And, and part of, they're like flickering in and out of lucidity and they might capture it for a bit and then like fall back and that could be like really right and like vague, you know? Mm. And then sometimes it can be a moment of like questioning, like, oh, I'm actually dreaming right now. And they, they actually have it for a little bit and then, and then you know, it falls back quite quickly. Um, that's a common beginning kind of little step. But then it's also quite common for people in their first lucid dream to just be fully immersed in lucidity like normal and maybe that's a quite a basic flying dream or talking to a dream character. So you don't necessarily have to have that semi or pre-lucid state before like your, your first like nice proper lucid dream, you know? Mm. Yeah. That's so cool. I was thinking about, you know, how there's people that like think that they're in control of their dreams. Well, then it's just sort of I just had like a flash of those people that think that they're in control of, of their lives, but mm -hmm. they're not. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I just thought about that. It's like the the autopilot responses that we give throughout the day yeah. and the autopilot responses that we give throughout our dreams. I wonder how mm -hmm. many of those are going on at, of people that think that they're actually in control because they're having a response when really you're not. It's just... Yeah. Fight or I flight. Think, 100%. I think that's that raises like a, a quite a broad topic around the nature of lucid dreaming really as an extension of mindfulness training at mm. its core because what it's training you to do is observe the self, to be a neutral observer and then really craft your path as you will. And when you think about it, it's so normal for the average human, everyday human to kind of be an autopilot in the waking state. And by that, I mean, like, they're just so used to the rhythms of their life, mm. getting up, going to work, coming home, eating, watching yeah. Netflix. They're just in this kind of like daydreaming, like the, the standard stream of their consciousness is familiar. And, you know, like take daydreaming for an example. It's like you are lost in the thought stream, you know, and, and what meditation is teaching you is just to observe that, take a step back and go, hey, I write, okay, what I'm thinking about is probably a bit more of a negative thought that might not even actualize in reality anyways. And when you can train yourself to be in that state of consciousness, you gain more control over your mind, which means you gain more control over your life as well and how you're directing your thought, which leads to action. And yeah, we'll get probably get into the benefits a bit later, but that for me has been one of the core benefits of lucid dreaming is it actually is kind of a deeper state of meditation, which I think some people miss, like the state of consciousness of what lucid dreaming is. And it can train you to create more presence in the waking state really as being more the observer of the self and um, maintaining stability while you're lucid as well is, is, is a part of it, which is like, uh, yeah, just, just resting in a level of presence and awareness. Mm. Yeah. We both have the same favorite saying. And it's mm -hmm. as above, so below. As above, so below. Yeah. It's upside down, but on and the it, arm. Love it. Yeah. And that's just making me think about that because it's like the better you get with mindfulness and your awareness and your concentration, 
throughout lucid dreaming it affects you then in your daily life because you're saying you become more aware and it works the other way around I know that when I do mindfulness meditation practices and I like am in more of the observer state of what's going on and just mindfully doing everything I will have Mm. way more lucid dreams and when Mm. I'm not doing those practices in my waking life I can't just get lucid by like willing it or looking for triggers and stuff like that. I need to be like living it in my daily life to be able to have it come through in my dreams. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think any lucid dreamer can report, you know, or tell you that when things are a little bit more stressful in their life, when they're a bit busier in the head and not so much in in the heart or that, that coherence, it's harder to reach that state of lucidity or it's harder to reach a sense of calmness in meditation. For me personally, I find it harder to reach lucidity than a state of meditation if I'm a bit more more busy. But the second sentence of um, Thoth's hermetic axiom, as above, so below, is as within, so without, which I think for me resonates almost even more with that crossover between dreaming and waking and how your internal reality really is what creates the external reality. And, and how you're, you're present with that and how you're observing it without judgment is really the, the key that falls back into all the shadow work and, you know, all the core principles that mystics talk about and all that. And so it's just a similar kind of process at a, at a deeper state of consciousness that's also super fun. Like you don't have to go into this mystical side of things. I, I, you'll see it might pop up eventually on your lucid dream journey, but it's also just fun if you're able to maintain stability and, and in the dream state and be lucid so um yeah while also adding to more playfulness i think and yeah mindfulness in the waking state Mm, definitely i love it so a lot of people confuse lucid dreaming with astral travel how would you differentiate the two yeah it's a um it's a big one they're they're definitely similar yet distinctly different dimensions of consciousness so i think the the simplest way i can explain it is let's say you you go to sleep like usual in your bed and you wake up for five hours later in a REM cycle or not wake up but you find yourself in a dream I'm used to that <laughs> yeah. you find yourself in a, in, a, in a dream and you're in your garden if you're in your home uh, whatever that home is for you the way you grew up or where you're living now and you notice there's some oddities things feel a little bit weird you've become familiar with a particular dream sign and you've triggered lucidity now you know just so you decide okay well, cool awesome I'm lucid again what am I gonna do I'm in my backyard that tends to be an environment for me as well like my home where it, like a bit of a dream sign like a reoccurring theme uh, and so I'll go for a flight down down my street down to the local beach I live I'm fortunate to live close to the beach so uh, I'll fly down there and have a little bit of a look around now everything that I'm seeing in my environment in this lucid dream is projected mental imagery crafted from memory through my unconscious mind that I'm experiencing. It's just memory that is now more vivid and clear than usual because there's more brain activity, uh, there's more neural activity in, in you know, the REM states as opposed to, well, the same very similar process of just imagining a bicycle right now. Like if you close your eyes and you imagine a bicycle as clear as you can, right? It's not like that clear, but obviously things are going to be more vivid and clear in a dream state. So it's, it's the mental realm, right? It's just projected mental imagery uh, that you're lucid in. This is not the same as astral travel, which in itself indicates a different 
plane of reality, the astral plane. Um, so when you're having an out-of-body experience, let's say, for example, now I'm going to sleep in my bed and I, I'm drifting off to sleep and I realize that I'm becoming conscious as I'm going to sleep, may or may not be accompanied by a bit of sleep paralysis, and I notice like some buzzing sounds in my ears that are getting quite intense. I notice my body start to vibrate, like my physical body, and then I, I feel like what's called my projectable double or extension of my etheric body starts to lift up and pops out of my physical body. And this can be quite an intense experience for those who have experienced it. And now I notice I'm, oh my gosh, I'm looking down and my physical body's on my bed and I'm just like floating above it in my room. And now I decide to fly up through the roof above my house. Oh, and now I'll decide I'm going to fly down the street and go to the ocean after this, the lead up to that. Could very well be a similar uh, experience in, an exter- in what I'm seeing, but it's not crafted through my, my memory from the unconscious. What I'm seeing now is actually physical reality, like Earth, as it really is, but I'm just in a different plane of reality. I'm in like at the lower level of the astral plane or the fourth density reality um, in the astral, like in, in, a, in my etheric projectable double. So, yeah. Uh, do you see what I'm saying? It's yeah. different. Um, and then, of course, if you dive into the astral, so there is there's like the astral plane, but then there's so many different realms or or layers of, of frequency and, and planes within that, like subcategories, if you will. And, uh, and a cultist might tell you that the more advanced or evolved you are as a soul being, the finer you vibrate to match the resonant frequency of that particular astral plane or reality. And they can go really high up into amazing spiritual high realms that are talked about in different Vedic texts or whatnot. Um, and don't get me wrong, lucid dreaming can certainly provide some very interesting experiences that are uh, or, or like they're open world to some extent, which we can cover as well. But yeah, kind of mental realm at its simplest definition, projected through memory. And yeah, <laughs> I went on a bit about that, but I'm quite fascinated no. by that, yeah. that split and um, yeah, the nature of consciousness operating within those those realities. Yeah, that was a really great way to describe it. I loved it because I could clearly understand exactly what you're talking about so thank you for that that was really cool so in all of your years as a lucid dreaming coach what's the most common misconception that you encounter about lucid dreaming astral travel like i'm sure that you've heard a lot of weird things Mm. i think a common one is one that i briefly mentioned around oh yeah i lucid dream all the time i can control my dreams Mm -hmm. um which we've covered but i think also another one is uh the crossover into sleep paralysis and understandably they, they can be meshed a little bit because often accompanying a, a somewhat scary or uneasy sleep paralysis experiences a visual landscape that can move itself into it into a dream or <laughs> even beings that seem like they're at the foot of your bed or whatever it might be and that can be perceived as a dream because you are conscious in it and it's quite it's close but it's not quite you know a fully immersed lucid dream. I think people sometimes just think that that is actually a lucid dream, like a sleep paralysis. Um, and that really, the, the thing about lucid dreaming is when you dive into it, most success with lucid dreaming occurs through dialds, which are dream-induced lucid dreams, as opposed to wilds, which is wake-induced or uh, wake-you know initiated lucid dreams, which is often can be accompanied by sleep paralysis, which is going to sleep consciously. Um, this uh-huh. is also where out of body or astral travel can occur, but more, most success occurs through dialds where 
all you're doing is going to sleep like usual and you're just training the conscious mind like a mind muscle to uh, cue lucidity or awareness once you're in a dream state. So you're going to sleep like usual and then using your dream signs and whatnot to different exercises, mm. which we'll get into. Um, yeah. But yeah, so sleep paralysis also crosses over with it. Um, maybe I think one more is, uh, well, am I just going to wake up tired and like I haven't gotten much sleep because I've been like, you know, awake in my dreams, you know, all night and whatnot. Uh, personally, that hasn't been my experience. My lucid dreams often tend to be exciting or uh, ex explorative and whatnot. It actually adds it adds energy through what's called the lucid afterglow to my waking experience. So for me, it's been the opposite, and it's also you know appeared to be the same for many other lucid dreamers. Some might be having frightful or uncomfortable ones, working with their nightmares, uh, or their sleep paralysis is turning into some kind of uh, more conscious dream. That's you know, so it can be different. But I, I hear those are definitely less. Uh, the, the report than having nice, exciting, fun, lucid dreams of however that might look for you. I love how you call it that, the lucid afterglow. I know exactly yeah. what you mean. It's like the best. It's so cool. Isn't it great? Like it yeah. can last days. It <laughs> yeah. really can last days. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, have you got any experiences there? Or like, yeah, that, there was you know, like... one of them that I can think of that just was the best was because I used to have heaps of nightmares, right? And so I had a nightmare and I became lucid in the nightmare and was able to completely change the storyline of what was going on. And yeah. so usually I'd wake up like stressed and anxious and just feeling really beat down. Mm -hmm. And I woke up feeling like on top of the world, like I just won the biggest fight of my life. And I was just like screaming and running around the house like, I yeah, did it, yeah. I won it. That's so awesome. My whole family just looking at me like I'm crazy, but then <laughs> they realize like, yeah. who cares? She's so happy. Like that everyone's Honestly. like, yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's really oh, cool. awesome. Um, yeah. I'd love to hear a lucid dreaming experience that personally transformed you. Mm. Yeah. I'm thinking of two that stick out. Both of them definitely led to the lucid afterglow. Uh, which one do I want to... I almost want to dive into both. Yeah, I was going to say we think, can I do think, both. I think the one I'll dive into first is, um, yeah, it definitely opens up some interesting topics as well. Uh, this this one happened in like the earlier stages of my lucid dreaming journey, I think in the first year or two. And, and the reason it's still quite poignant to me is that it definitely challenged the way I think about the nature of the unconscious mind as being very conscious uh, uh, or the potential of, of the psyche as being, uh, and, and the lucid dreaming state as being more expansive than we might think it is. Um, but basically, I became lucid in my local town, suburb, and like at the local park. And um, I was just walking around, enjoying the feeling of being lucid, just taking my time, taking in my surroundings. And I thought that I'd, I'd recently read a chapter out of um, Robert Wagner's book, Lucid Dreaming Gateway to the Inner Self around he talks about the spectrum of intelligence and awareness of dream characters. And I was like, this is super interesting. And some of them are what, you know, he just refers to as thought forms and they don't really have much to add, but some of them might very well be the embodiment of a particular facet or part of your psyche, like your wise self or your anxious self or whatever it might be, even representing a particular but recent context in your life, like your relationship with your boss or something. And I was like, um, and this became, and it still is, a little returning point of interest for me in lucid dreams is talking to dream characters. I find it quite fascinating. But 
in this dream I was testing lucid dream like different dream characters and um, just flying around them and inviting them to join me or uh, trying to engage in conversation and ask them questions and just getting different responses and a lot of them were kind of hazy and they weren't really giving much and then this one I just flew up in front of a group of like four or five dream characters and there was this other one that just flew up to meet me at the same height and he was just floating there I was like hey there he's like hey I was like what uh, what's your name and he's like my name's Andrew I was like oh cool uh, where, uh, where are you from Andrew and he goes oh I'm from Avalon <laughs> I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> Avalon's like yeah. a suburb. Like, it's like just down the road. From where I live. And I'm like, cool, cool, Andrew. Well, uh, do you want to go for a dream flight? And he's like, yeah, let's go. And then he flew off and I had to follow him. I was like, oh, shit. So he starts flying off. I start flying with him and we're flying. And he tell, he's flying and he looks at me and he goes, I'm another, I, I, I'm another lucid dreamer just like you. <laughs> I'm like, what the, okay, cool, like, that's wild, and so then we just proceeded to use different objects in the dream to for a lucid dreaming flight, and just having fun messing around, like, with a wardrobe, like, on top of a car, like, a gigantic carrot, whatever it was, <laughs> flying around and, like, you know, around the space, kind of around the local area is what it felt like, up and down the, um, and, um, and then we started, we both just, it just happened, we both just flew, shot up, and flew up above the earth, and, looking down, we're just looking down on Earth, just like floating there, and we're still completely, well, I was, I'm still lucid, I don't know if Andrew's, <laughs> you know, this or that, and, um, and, and then Andrew kind of looks at me, and, and then he just starts falling back down to Earth really quickly, just Aww. plummets down, and I'm like, whoa, okay, so I fly after him, somehow by the time I reached him, he'd already fallen through the ocean, and like was now like floating down to the ocean, I swam down, pierced through the surface, swam down, and he's like asleep on a couch at the bottom of the ocean. I was like, that's interesting. That could be also symbolic as like, he's lost lucidity. Yeah. Arguing that he actually has, he's, you know, deep below now the surface, you know, he's yeah. fallen back into unconscious and he's asleep on a couch and there's a piece of paper that's fallen out of his hand with a bloody name on it. And it said Andrew and there was a last name and it had a, I, I can't, I can't remember to this day that's what so the last annoying. name was, yeah. but I read it and then I willed myself to wake up and I couldn't remember the name. Um, so I was like, that's super interesting. Um, and it could seriously be both realities here of there was an intelligent dream character that was the embodiment of a part of my psyche, like a playful or curious or cheeky one that wanted to, that actually has the autonomous capacity as a part of my own self to play around like that yeah. and probe me and question me. I actually believe that's totally possible. Yeah. And probably the only choice that you can pick uh, well, actually, you could just argue he's just an aware dream character. It, but the choice that you have to pick if you don't want to believe that there can be an autonomous entity sharing the space in your your dream space uh, that is autonomous outside of your own psyche. Uh, like, you know, uh, technically another, um, yeah, arguing if you want to say if that was the astral plane or not. Uh, mutual lucid dreams are another point. Uh, of interest there that doesn't seem quite astral but still mental plane with different like shared dreams uh, uh, lucid dreamers is a rare phenomenon Robert Wagner goes on mm. to it so that's when the, the blurs between astral and mental plane tend to cross over if it's like that open space but yeah to me the, the if he really was a lucid dream character I'm open to that can't really prove it um, but uh, could be both really but that yeah, was an interesting one 
I think that we should make a poster searching for Andrew. You know, like when Andrew, you have like, <laughs> yeah. And you remember that lucid dream? Yes. Hit me up, please. <laughs> <laughs> we'll um, put some flyers down at Coles on the notice board. <laughs> <laughs> All going into Avalon, just plastered yeah. everywhere. Are yeah. Are you I mean, Andrew? Fair, that was like nine, eight, nine years ago now. But um, yeah. You never know. You might find him. You never That's know. so that cool. I love that. Either yeah. po- either way, it doesn't really matter whether he's real or he's an aspect of you because if he's an aspect of you, then he is real anyway. And yeah. like, what a cool experience! Exactly. I'm. I, I think. I think both potentials are interesting either way. And uh, it was a really nice lucid dream. So, yeah, one that got me. Yeah, it definitely heightened my my intrigue in like the possibilities and potentials in the space. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you want to tell me about the other one as well? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go briefly into that one because it's nice. This one's nice. It's more on like the spiritual side of things or the, the mystical side of things. And I, um, yeah, I was in a lucid dream and I remembered a question that I wanted to ask to the hidden observer. Some of our viewers may or may not be familiar with that. Very briefly, there seems to be an awareness, like a latent awareness within the dream space. When you like ask the dream a question or a statement, you you. Uh, Put a statement towards it it responds with intelligence and insight and guidance and um personally i believe it could be the, the atman or the the inner self maybe the higher self really i guess the label doesn't matter but it's it's provided a lot of um interesting insights and um experiences uh and in this particular and also it's one of the jewels of lucid dreaming like please if you're already in lucid dreaming and you haven't like uh used this yet or you want to get into lucid dreaming yeah, I would really recommend uh, yeah, ex- approaching the hidden observer. We'll call it as Robert, w- Robert Wagner calls it. Um, but yeah, so I formulated a question though, I had to ask the dream, and it was play me some beautiful music. And I remember I was feeling quite calm in this lucid dream. I think I had good meditation before going to bed, and I was in a good good space. I think generally, and I was lucid. I took my time, stabilized myself, and then I just said, I just said from my heart, I just said, play me some beautiful music. And I wanted to see what the hidden observer would respond with. And um, it played this like beautiful, what felt like I can't, like it was a sound that I, I haven't heard on earth before and I can't quite encapsulate, but it was like equivalent to like a melancholy, angelic choir, like a deep, beautiful hum, almost om, that was just high pitched, but also had this deep quality to it. And it was like every, you could imagine like every atom was like crystal clear speaker that was just emanating this pure vibratory sound that what happened was it, it, it the dream space just became this sound, this beautiful vibration. And my sense of self dropped away to the point where I was just immersed in this beautiful ocean of sound and experienced yeah like a bit of a state of like of oneness or just pure awareness within this, this quality of sound. And um just sat in that for what felt like a bit and then I just remember opening my eyes really gently and being like really calm um that was a really special one yeah that sounds so beautiful I wonder what frequency it was (laughs) (laughs) yeah above 528 800 whatever yeah (laughs) um but yeah um that was really a, a a beautiful spiritual experience and you know it just goes back to that standard story of, of, of oneness where you know you move beyond thought or or the the personality construct into just kind of a pure state of being through sound through sound vibration mm. 
through through creation vibration <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah that's so beautiful so from your experience how can lucid dreaming be used for personal growth and self-improvement um yeah there's there's, there's a lot you can do in a lucid dreaming space. I think the most simple benefit is that it's just fun. Like lucid dreaming is a lot of fun and it adds that vibrancy to your day, and that thing that you look forward to, equivalent to like if you're looking forward to like a music festival or a new movie that's coming out and life's busy, but you've got that thing on the horizon that you're just like, oh, that's going to be really nice. It's yeah. like I have that as an authentic escape each week when I go into my dreams. I'm like, what do I want to explore my lucid dreams this week or what do I want to, you know, try and um it, and yeah and that afterglow comes into it you know like having fun lucid dream flights or going to other planets or experimenting with dream sex that's a fun one and there shouldn't be any shame around that either like why <laughs> yeah, would definitely. you want to experience that um yeah these kind of vibrant experiences it's just like adds such a like a, a lift to your your reality and, and your life and i think outside of that um yeah just uh, you can really explore the, the deeper the nature of yourself and and your mind and your being and you know this uh, this may cross over with a couple topics in the future but just um, healing certain suppressed processes that may manifest in the dream as a nightmare uh, and confronting those those processes that you've been kind of neglecting a little bit can definitely lead to quite some rapid results from just one lucid dream even uh, and then of course dreams like I mentioned more on the spiritual side of things. Uh, mystical experiences that um, that just take you like true experiences you know it's mm. not so much like reading reading words out of a book and gaining an intellectual like insight that you're like oh I understand that it's like really immersing yourself in an experience of, of, of the knowledge which you may or may not already know that that's what creates transformative experiences mm. that you then actually truly integrate um, yeah when you're embodying these these heightened experiences in the dream state it's it's they, they become a part of your your world and your being uh so yeah it's, it's a few different areas another one that i would say is it's a it's a training ground really so you know you can practice mental or physical phenomena in the dream state state because your the neural network of your brain is performing in a way that it actually believes it, it's occurring so let's say mm. you're a snowboarder and you want to practice like a double backflip and you're a decent lucid dreamer you're just doing that over and over in a dream, like in a lucid dream, your brain, you're going to wake up and feel like, no, I can, I can do this. You know what yeah. I mean? And I had it with certain physical things that I was training as well um, in my life that really made me wake up and be like, yeah, I feel way more confident with that now Yeah, because I, I have associated it with a exciting, positive, you know, experience of it. Um, yeah. So it's like brain, mental, physical training in various areas. Yeah. I love that. It's like we have an, a whole extra life. Like we get to live two lives in this one lifetime when we are paying attention to our dreams. Absolutely. Because I used to be like that person that we were talking about at the beginning that thought that they were in control of their lives, but they really weren't. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, just stuck in the routine of being told by someone else what to do all day, every day. Yeah. And I'd never paid attention to my dreams. And I was just stuck in that one little, like tiny reality. Mm. And yeah, learning about dreams and remembering more dreams, it felt like I gained an extra life plus like all this clarity on what I should actually do and kind of helped me to break mm. free and, and actually be in control yeah. of my own life. Um, yeah. But yeah, and like with time and everything, it's like in a lucid dream, 
you know, you might be asleep for 20 minutes, an hour and a half or whatever that you're actually in the dream, but the dream can last for so much longer than that as well. Mm, and mm. so, It's interesting, yeah. isn't it, that crossover of time? Uh, yeah, I'm curious. I think I've also uh, remembered you mentioning how in your experience, that 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 quality of the dream that the narrative has also changed as well when you start to tune into it and acknowledge that maybe your waking life is in a bit more of a daydream state and tuning into your dreams more starts to change the narrative a little bit and getting a bit more insight i suppose in the simplest way to explain it is that when i was in that life i say it like it was a previous life but it was only mm. like a few years ago mm. of you know, working for someone else and, and watching the news and listening to, you know, the hottest gossip in town type crap. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like numbing and, and thinking that I was in control of my life when I was absolutely not like in any way, shape or form. And I really suffered like mentally, like had a full breakdown, didn't know what was wrong with me, didn't know why I felt so depressed, like thought that I loved my life because on paper it was good, you know, but I didn't have any connection to myself at all. So I was having nightmares and when I learned how to understand them and what they're actually doing for you and how nightmares are trying to help you and understanding the guidance within the dreams through interpretation of the symbols and understanding like the shadow self and all of that, it helped me to not be so afraid of dreams. So then I was mm. able to remember more and start paying attention to them. And I mm. was using lucidity to help with the nightmares. Yeah. So then I was wanting to get lucid more. So yeah. obviously learning about like being aware, aware in my waking world and being mindful and thinking like, if I was in a dream right now, like, what would I do? Like, what could I do? Like my waking life really is a dream as well. Why can't I have actual control over it yeah. and kind of turn it into something that I want it to be? Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, I think it also ties back into just the process of like, even just tuning to pay attention to your dreams more, you know, you don't even necessarily have to be lucid, but mm. you start journaling more and familiarizing yourself with what's going on and with a bit of dream analysis and interpretation uh, insight, you recognize that your dreams are kind of a reflection of your waking mental rhythm and, and mental state. Not to say mm -hmm. that every dream has like some deep symbolic value, but really is often reflecting your, your mental thought residue, you know, to yeah. some extent. And when you start observing that and you start understanding it, the conscious unconscious starts to actually change the narrative and mm -hmm. starts to work with you. And Carl Jung talks about this, like how the dream, you get a bird's eye view of your psyche a little bit more by familiarizing yourself more in depth with your just normal dreams, not even lucid. And then you start understanding it. You start seeing what is my unconscious telling me about myself here? What does it want me to actually look at? You start changing it a little bit more in the waking reality. The dream narrative starts to change yeah. and not just change like unconsciously just to reflect your, your shift or your growth in the waking state, but offer new insights and new ideas to then get you to that next stage or, you know, or, or step to, to, to integrate. And that's what I find is like, yeah, dreams aren't really valued that much in the West in general, but we can work with them. They're a yeah. beautiful tool for, for self insight. And that's also why I, I think lucid dreaming as a practice is kind of holistic. You don't just have, to, you're not just training to be lucid. Like the mm. process to become lucid involves dream journaling and familiarizing yourself with dream signs, which is a core one. And uh, so just in that process, you're developing more of a holistic relationship with your unconscious and your psyche and 
you want to pay attention to your dreams and do a bit of digging you know, research on your own dream interpretation like it, it it's you know it's uh yeah. it's a good path it's definitely worth it i mean i think after about a month of just writing my dreams down and paying attention i was able to see patterns and like mm. oh why is this thing keep coming up and then i was able to see it from a different perspective because i think for me i was i would shut out and pretend that things weren't annoying me yeah. and so then when it kept showing up in my dreams and i'm writing yeah. it down each morning i'm getting annoyed about it again i'm like <laughs> why am i letting this thing annoy me like obviously mm. it's annoying what's me in the, the day it's like, annoying what's... me at night like yeah. what a... okay it's obvious to me it. now like let's go there so yeah. it, it gave me a really good starting point because i think i was in a point in my life where i was so overwhelmed that it was like i didn't even know what to do next like where mm. do i even approach things um mm. so dreams were really helpful in that because they they pointed out what i was having an issue with but then yeah. within that there was also some guidance on how i could handle it yeah, um, and then yeah like you said once you do take action on it in your waking life then the narrative changes and those annoying dreams disappeared and then more fun ones started showing up yeah. And then, yeah, that's when you start to be able to adventure. So Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, it's why it, part of what you said links with, you know, when people talk about like the spiritual path or, or you, however you want to define it, the waking journey isn't just love and light. Like you got to look at the shit. You got to look mm -hmm. at the, and that's the way the unconscious works. It's like, that's the only way through growth is it's, it's, it's going to probe you. <laughs> it's just going to yeah. push you <laughs> neglecting shit. It's like, what you, eventually you got to look at this, you know what yeah. I mean? Even if you take it to your grave, arguably in a karmic sense, that mental energy is going to hold to your soul code and it's going to manifest and to some extent. So you, this is the part of the, the journey is, is, is seeing it and looking at it. And that's why lucid dreaming nightmares can be so confronting or just mm. nightmares in general, because those are, that's just simply a buildup of suppressed energy neglecting ideas or thoughts or ideas that could be defined as trauma to some extent and um you know but obviously that's just even on a micro level you know just just looking at your dreams on a day-to-day -day basis daily mm. little insights or ideas you know i think i remember you mentioning as well just taking little hints like if you see the color blue in a dream you're wearing a blue t-shirt like i thought it was a nice suggestion what you mentioned uh you know one of our previous discussions using little tips just light things to as, as little ideas to, to integrate you know, yeah definitely. you don't have to go to the deep shadow work you know just yet like it's you know yeah you can just lightly explore it as well yeah definitely yeah you're a lucid dreaming coach and obviously that means that what you do impacts the lives of your clients and students a lot and i wanted to know how do you guide people to use lucid dreaming as a tool for healing yeah, so I, like I previously mentioned, for some people's tool for healing approach, it's, it's always going to be a, you know a bit different, and some just want to add that vibrancy to their life or that exploration, that that fun, that vibrancy, and and lucid dreaming can that in itself can be you know therapeutic to have you know that healthy escape. You know, if you have a person that hasn't you know read a lot when they were younger and then they stopped for like ten years and now they've just gotten back into it and it feels so good. You know, that's a nice thing you know or, or you get back into surfing or the gym so that's just one simple aspect of it and in on the process of that discovering more mental clarity and stability added with your night routines and your mindfulness based exercises which accompany lucid dreaming in throughout your day as well uh in general that process is going to add to more mindfulness and a bit more more presence so at its simplest level i think that, that is something that my clients and loose dreamers in general may have gained 
um, benefits from, I guess, on the more specific like level of, of healing. Nightmares have been a bit of a reoccurring theme that can be a powerful and sometimes quite quick way as well of healing a, a deeper trauma or process that's at play. Uh, some people may not necessarily want to get to the point where they want to have, you know, three or four lucid dreams minimum a month or something like that. There's just a problem that they want to clear or heal. They remember having a few lucid dreams when they were much younger and they know instinctively that they want to get back there to to clear something. And uh, that can be confronting that menacing dream character, which is an externalization of your father who didn't give you enough uh, enough love or whatever it is. And and so it goes back to that process of uh, what the healing can come from something like that, for example, is instead of running away from that menacing dream figure, just embracing it with love and compassion and empathy, which is also like giving love back to yourself at the same time. And that can you can wake up from a lucid dream like that and just feel clear, feel like the burden has been, has been lifted. And, and when you're lucid, you have the opportunity to actually face that dream or ask for like, what does this dream character represent? What information do you have for me? And kind of open it up a little bit more and face what you've been sort of suppressing. So, um, yeah, that's, that's been, you know, there's been a few like that that have been, uh, yeah, a healing and, and, and transformative outside the fun goodness. That's so cool. I love that. And I, I really wish that I did know that when I first started lucid dreaming because it's such good advice because I used to just turn and try to fight back, you yeah. know, and I ended up having like a full on brawl with like this um, corpse zombie thing and it was absolutely mm. exhausting. I won, mm. so I still mm -hmm. got that lucid nice. glow. <laughs> but if I'd known, I could have just tried to show it love and then it would have yeah. been okay in the end i ended up kicking it and then all of a sudden it transformed into like a shattered computer screen with the program of like my previous workplace on it so it was like that was there yeah. pretty obvious what it was yeah, at the exactly. end yeah, yeah. but it took me the so it. so That's much effort funny. to get there and i know as well like right how symbolic is that i know it's like it was dead to me yeah that's hilarious sometimes it can be so obvious and it's just like okay yes and, and but sometimes it's not obvious. And I find also a bit of the magic is that you don't always need to know exactly what it is. Yeah. You, know? you just approach it with love and uh, or you try and confront it and uh, you wake up feeling that a bit more clear as well. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it goes back to that point of just neutrally observing the self, ideally without judgment. And um, yeah, just 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 confronting digging it up a little bit, you know? Yeah. So if what we've been talking about today, it's pretty clear that lucid dreaming is kind of a reflection of our mind and our reality. Mm. Like what about those really, really crazy dreams or what are kind of the more like wacky mm. experiences that people could have? Yeah, I love that question. Um, I want to answer that by going into what, you know, dream yogis have been doing for like thousands of years, which I guess you could say is a, highly advanced state of lucid dreaming in which they're essentially remaining conscious throughout every stage of their sleep cycle or training for that, like even in a deep like theta states. And they have what you might call just clear light dreams, which is just like, they're just immersed in this deep state of oneness and a deep state of consciousness that may or may not say is like dream state even. And uh, to the point that a lucid dream experience might just be a little uh, a symptom byproduct of their overall practice that is just a, a fun training ground 
Um, and you, you hear of dream yokis that are able to split their consciousness simultaneously into multiple dream characters, like even a hundred or something like that. And really it comes down to the idea that like training yourself to really recognize that you are in a non-dual state of mind, the laws of physics and physical reality no longer apply and bypassing the programming around that with limited expectations and beliefs and truly embodying the idea that like the sky is the limit and way beyond. Uh, and when you embody that, then yeah, lots of, lots of interesting things, uh, can, can happen. And I, if the dream yogis do see it, reality purely as a reflection of mind and consciousness. And they would argue that the dreaming reality and the physical reality and even the astral, really the only distinction is a separation in, in a, a rate or frequency of vibration, but it's all just energy, frequency and vibration. The, the, the core of it being the field or the unified field of consciousness operating on, on every scale. It's all mind, as Hermeticism says, and it just depends what plane or frequency of reality you're operating in. But it's the same corresponding awareness between all of them. It's all just a reflection. It's all consciousness. It's all a, a self-aware holographic universe. As, uh, I think quantum physics is, is linking with this more and more. And uh, So... Yeah, it goes back to viewing life as a bit of a game. It's not like you're going to be in waking reality and physical world after lucid dreaming lots and be confused like, oh, am I, could this be a dream? Like, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. You're grounded. It's just you realize that it is a game and you are creating your reality. Every single thought is creating reality. You're always manifesting whether you're conscious of it or not uh, and using that power more consciously and stepping into your presence and... Um, recognizing that the same laws that operate in the dream space operate still and manifest in the, in the physical perhaps a little bit more slowly but the same laws apply and yeah because we are working in a self-aware field of consciousness that responds to our energy and what we're broadcasting and when you start to play around and perceive reality like that you become your own creator and things definitely change a little bit i think and that's why i love working <laughs> with manifestation you know, yeah consciously. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's all about like the law of attraction, isn't it? Yeah, and... it's just always happening, really. It's all, it can't not be happening. Yeah. Yeah, like attracts like. You explained that really well. That's so cool. I love like quantum physics and the science of everything and just proving that it is. And I don't know, people are just like, woo, like when The Secret first came out and I loved it mm. and I was like, this is life changing. People just thought I was a little crazy and like, mm -hmm. oh, she's all woo-woo. And it's like, no, science has proved it now, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely getting there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of those things. That I think the closest one is unified field theory uh, or M theory. And John Hagelin has um, got a PhD in, in um, physics and consciousness from Harvard. Like he did, he's part of his doctorate at like CERN. And he's just so invested in this space. And yeah, it's basically just, we also just need the technology to develop so we can measure more and more the subatomic level to recognize it as just a field of just waveform, like just the absolute essence of reality is just a waveform, which he defines as intelligence or really arguably thought-based awareness or consciousness uh, that is responding to us and working with us is through our electromagnetic field, which is also a massive science that like is just not really being talked about or covered and the implications of it are just like insane and it's responsible for the process of you know, law of attraction and manifestation and the HeartMath Institute has done studies on this for like over 20 years ver like verifying that we are broadcasting an electromagnetic signal that is emotionally encoded data mixed with our thought magnetism energy it is like a broadcaster and a receiver for creating our reality 
it, it, and it's like a lot of these like spiritual topics are just the the physics of consciousness that we're on our way to empirically measuring and but there's cognitive dissonance along the way you know it's 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 difficult for scientists or the uh, just everyday person to acknowledge these processes going on because it kind of it goes against what science has been saying the establishment has been saying for like 200 years when you start to look at more of the non-physical aspects of reality personally it's a bit of a pet peeve of mine i'm like let's fucking get there like yeah. we just evolved to this like i think it's and we're on our way to that, I believe, for sure. It's only a matter of time until we start to, that resonates and that, you know, is acknowledged. Definitely. Thank you. Mm. That's so cool. It's such an awesome topic. Mm. So, Jamie, what are some techniques that beginners could use to start lucid dreaming? So, this is what I make clear to my clients or anybody interested in lucid dreaming is that lucid dreaming really it doesn't have to be a difficult skill to learn you just have to make the techniques and practices habitual and consistent you know so it's, it's like going to the gym you go three times a week for two weeks you might actually see a little bit of difference uh, not a whole lot it's, it's just the exact same with training that mental mind conscious mind muscle with lucid dreaming and um, that looks like I guess it's most sim simple like some of the most simple and, and primary uh, benefits are uh, dream journaling familiarizing yourself with your dreams, but also specifically your dream signs. So becoming familiar with any themes or anomalies, like weird things that are happening or reoccurrences, uh, your own personal dreaming world, getting a bird's eye view of it and trying to catalog maybe 15 dreams if you can over a period of, of, of three or four weeks is a good start. You catalog them, write them down uh, a number of 15. While you're doing that, you want to do reality checks as well which goes hand in hand with dream journaling and, and dream signs. So what that looks like is throughout the day, you want to ask yourself consistently, am I awake or am I dreaming? And we may have heard of what a reality check is, but there is a, a proper way to do it, which is the more precise way and doesn't even take that much more time. So you want to play the part of like a lucid detective when you ask that question. And the more times you ask this question in a day, the more likely it is, right, that you're eventually going to ask that question while you're dreaming or in the midst of a dream sign that you've now become a bit more familiar with through the process of dream journaling. So reality checks eight to 10 a day. What that might look like is wherever you are, just ask yourself, am I awake or am I dreaming? And look around, look at where you are. Notice if there, are there any inconsistencies or oddities? How did you get there? Once you feel relatively you know, sure that you've mindfully done that, it might just take a minute or 30, 40 seconds. You have to conclude with a state check, which is a way to really verify your reality. So you might do like a hand flip or try and like float off the ground or something like that. And it is important to conclude with a state check because if you're just getting the habit of asking, oh, look, am I dreaming? Like a habit, you might do the same thing in a dream and just be like, okay, it's just a yeah. reality check. And then you don't break through to lucidity. But the second you do a hand flip and your, your whole hand like becomes a single elephant trunk index finger or something <laughs> weird, uh, or you, you float off the ground and you actually start floating like, that should be enough to be like, oh my God, I'm actually dreaming. And a lot of the time, like you totally think, oh, I'm just doing another reality check. And it's like, well, shit, no, I'm actually in a lucid dream. So yeah, reality checks, I've just really briefly covered the, what a proper one is. And dream journaling should be enough to get you started with just 10 minutes of meditation before you go to sleep. Please include that as a core part of your practice. Because if you're busy, your mind's busy, you're not setting down the energy for your day, you're going into sleep, it's gonna be harder to become lucid because you're not going to be as present and calm. So just doing 10 minutes of meditation, observing the breath, observing the self is uh, a really good consistent practice, night practice, not just for lucid dreaming as well. Yeah. 
Thank you. That's really great advice. And when we run our lucid dreaming event, I know that you'll be going through. Oh, yes. Lucid dreaming, dream work. And we're going to shove a little bit of breath work in there as well, of course. And meditation. I mean, you know, it's it's all the awesome stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And some dream interpretation. Mm -hmm. It's going to have everything. Um, Jamie, tell me about what you're going to be teaching and bringing to this event for people. The core of this retreat is going to be centered around lucid living. So not just learning how to lucid dream and everything that you need to know to walk away doing it yourself, but also incorporating those practices and those habits to bring more presence into your waking life. So they're going to be teaching some of the fundamentals around meditation and some really simple hacks so that you can approach that with more ease and less pressure and learn some really good techniques in that space uh, and mindfulness exercises associated with lucid dreaming, breath work, as you mentioned, nice dream walks. And it's going to be just a nice weekend to be able to just settle, relax, put down the energy from your busy life and settle into a new mental groove, a new routine that you can bring back into your life with a new beautiful topic of exploration or a thing to explore which is lucid dreaming of course that you can then begin to play around with on your own after the weekend um so yeah it's going to be lots of topics covered also theory based around the nature of dreaming the mind and lucid dreaming to give you some inspiration and and motivation for what you really want to explore when you are when you are lucid yeah Awesome. Thank you. So I'm so excited to do this. I'm going to have a link in the show notes below where you can register your interest if you'd like to come along with us. So it's going to be obviously in Australia on the southeast coast, Queensland, New South Wales, around the border there. And the dates are yet to be confirmed, but it will be early on this year. So please register your interest so that we can send you out an email with more information. And yeah, we're really excited. Thank you for joining me today, Jamie. Do you have yeah, any? Thanks so much for having me. So welcome. Do you have any parting words of wisdom that you'd like to leave? Yes. Uh, just going back to what I briefly mentioned earlier, that if you are interested in lucid dreaming and you want to learn, just the most important thing is making the techniques habitual and making that consistent and uh, of course if you are interested in diving a bit deeper into that and you're interested in working with me you can hit me up on my instagram handles mind made lucid and but also using this as a way to just make your whole life a bit more uh, relaxed and present and mindful and, and incorporating if you're already you know interested in lucid dreaming you're exploring that definitely I encourage you to, to integrate it with meditation as one of the core foundational practices which will like a domino effect assist most if not all of the other practices associated with lucid dreaming yeah thank you as we come to the end of today's enlightening conversation i just wanted to extend a heartfelt thank you to you jamie for sharing your expertise on lucid dreaming and your dreams it's been an absolute pleasure delving into the depths of the dreaming mind with you and like he said for those looking to learn more about jamie's work or if you want to go start your own journey of lucid dreaming his Instagram is Mind Made Lucid. I will put the links in below. Now, listeners, whether you're awake or dreaming, may you always be aware of the limitless potential of your own mind. This has been the Dream Hub podcast, where we bring the mysteries of sleep into the light of day. Until next time, keep dreaming, keep exploring, and keep growing.
Thank you.